This is the Boundless Pursuit Podcast, a show highlighting the purity of the experience without limitation. Each week, we'll bring anglers as diverse as the fish they chase, whether it be from your backyard or your bucket list, freshwater, saltwater, conventional gear, or fly. We're bringing stories and perspectives from fishermen from all walks of life, from across the country and globe. In the digital age, authentic communication and networking is critical, and I'd love to hear from you about show suggestions, potential guests, or general feedback. And you can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com or at my website, www.boundless-pursuit.com. That's where you'll find the entire collection of written articles, podcast episodes, and media. I deeply value the feedback ratings, reviews, and support of my listeners. And I look forward to hearing from you. I'm your host, David Graham. Now let's get on to today's episode. You know, there's something about the land-based angling experience that really seems like it's fishing at its purest. And it's been a theme on this podcast. We've talked land-based shark fishing in California, Florida, Georgia, around the U.S., and just foot soldiering all around the country for different species. But today's guest has trekked along the sands and rock edges of Australia on foot for species that most anglers will only dream of chasing. I was put on to Jack Jacobs of the Aussie Fisher YouTube channel and Instagram page by Mutual Connection and former podcast guest Chris Kratz. Now, if you remember, Chris is a guy that kind of networked his way from Germany all the way to Australia through relationships that he built online with Jack. Because genuine anglers recognize each other, and the passion for the pursuit of big fish is the great connector. And Jack got his start in land-based fishing on the surf scene of South Australia, chasing fish like monster tiger sharks and duskies. And in this conversation, we talk about Australia's shark fishing scene, its perception, and the necessary steps anglers need to take in ensuring that the sport is viewed in a positive light. Because whether it's in Australia or the U.S., land-based shark fishing is under constant scrutiny. Today, though, Jack has packed up his gear and crossed the Australian country to more remote northern territories. And here, the sandy easements into the water are often traded in for barnacle-clad rock and reef edges, where breakers are crashing against land, threatening to spoil any angler ballsy enough to step on them and launch a cast. And we've all seen those videos online, those videos of these giant plugs and poppers being cast from the rocks, yielding some kind of apex pelagic species like GTs, giant mackerels, jacks, and just a whole host of other hard-fighting fish. So today, we're going to be talking about the culture of casting plugs from the rocks and going to extreme measures to land the fish of a lifetime. We talk about remote island camping, far from civilization, just camping, fishing, and hanging out with friends where the froth of the ocean is teeming with aggressive fish many of which you know, some of which you may have never heard of. This is an awesome conversation with a guy from way down south. This is the Aussie fisher, Jack Jacobs. Your name's Jack, right? I like look through all your stuff. That's like part of my job. I have to snoop. I got to do my research. You know, I got to make sure people that come on here aren't like, or like wanted by the FBI. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I like see guys, they're interesting, but mm, let me make sure there's no like, suspect mugshots online <laughs> let me make sure i'm like some weirdo on here but is your name jack <laughs> i saw some other one that like you were referred to as steve or something 
I'm like, that's too very yeah, different. Right. No, nah, it's, nah, it's definitely Jack. Okay. There was like a photo yeah. of you holding one of those frilled lizards, like the lizards with the big things. And I thought, I thought it like yeah. was calling you Steve. So yeah, I, like, I think it's probably like someone just making a joke about Steve Irwin or something like that. So. Oh, that's like too cliche. I was like, I don't yeah, want to do yeah. that. I don't want to be the American guy that brings up Steve Irwin to the Australian. I'm sure y'all get tired of that. Uh, yeah, not so good. Many a young boy's hero, though. But anyway, um, Zach, you Definitely. do your own uh, crazy stuff. A little less reptile-related, a lot more fish-related. But I want to say I appreciate you coming on here. I always I have to show gratitude to the people that come on here from these far-off places who've like taken time out of their day to you know, compensate for the crazy time difference we have. It's like early morning here. I don't know what time you go to sleep, but it's nighttime there. But uh, shout out to mutual friend Chris, Chris Kratz, who was a previous guest. Uh, he put me onto your stuff. Really highly recommended you. And uh, dude, I went way down the rabbit hole of like looking through your Instagram, your YouTube, and it's like, you know, and Macy, I you sort of like put, I don't know, it, maybe it's the humility in you speaking, but you're like, oh yeah, there's other guys that do way more stuff. But like the kind of fishing you do is like straight up bucket list stuff for American English. Most of my listeners are here in America. So uh, there's a lot of dream topics for like the land-based angler to cover here between the sharks and the GTs and the pelagics from shore. So we're going to try to cover all of that. I'm going to try my best yep. not to get too caught up in one thing and, uh, and not fanboy out too much over these types of fish. But um yeah, dude, I, I really appreciate it. So if I think if there's one landing point, it's that my gateway to your page was through Chris and it was specifically around land-based shark fishing, which has been a reoccurring theme on this podcast. I've had a few land-based shark guys come on here, but it's it's always fun to kind of see the difference geog- geographically. Um, so I guess the first thing I ask is like where you're based. Because like a lot of Americans think of Australia as just like one place. And like we forget how enormous... Yeah. Australia is so like where are you actually at what's like what's your home waters like what are you normally fishing that's close to home yeah well um first of all thanks for having me on David really stoked to be here but yeah. um yeah so I'm currently living in Nullumboy in the Northern Territory which is um yeah the top of um Australia and um but we've only recently moved up here I've only been here for a year was originally down South Australia so um, myself and my girlfriend, we drove up here like about this time last year and it was a big drive. It was about three and a half days straight drive. Oh. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we covered, covered many kilometres and seen. We went straight up the um, middle of Australia from the bottom to the top pretty much. So it's really different to what I'm used to. But, um, yeah, very lucky to be here and it's um, an awesome spot for sure. And, um, yeah, thanks for Chris as well for, yeah, giving me a shout out and getting me on the show. So yeah, yeah. very stoked <laughs> to be here. That's cool. Three days drive. And I was like, yeah. you know, forgive my ignorance. I hope a lot of people from Australia don't even listen to this. Cause I'm going to sound like such an idiot, but like, you know, <laughs> you know a, a lot of kids like me grow up, like, you know, you look at Australia as like this, this place everybody wants to travel to, but it's like, then you look at the middle of Australia. Like, so yeah. did you drive from South to North directly across the center of the state? Like I look at that, yeah. I look at that place. I'm like, what? 
what what happens if you get a flat tire? Like who's out there to save you? Like where there's nothing out there. You know, I mean, like like you got a really game plan just to make your way across the country. I would think. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> what does the road yeah, trip look like? Know. Oh well, to start off with, because um, yeah, I had to like put my like house up for rent, and I had to organize everything. So it was like probably a month of getting stuff organized, and then um, yeah, we packed the cars, packed all our like clothes and all that sort of stuff, and yeah, we just headed off and. Yeah, we had to bring extra fuel because um, the uh, stops between fuel stations can be quite far and, yeah, you have to be prepared in case, like, you break down in the middle of nowhere with no service. So, yeah, you got to bring extra water sometimes and all of that. Oof. But, um, yeah, it was a good good experience driving all the way up and it was two days of um, just, like, straight highway driving on the on the bitumen, so it was pretty easy. But um, to get to Nullumboy, which is, like, way off in East Arnhem land. It was like, um, oh, not sure of the, uh, like miles compared to kilometers, like with your, your guys, but, um, it was like 700 kilometers of just dirt road, like rough roads and yeah. big potholes <laughs> and creek crossings and everything. So yeah. that took, that was a good experience, but yeah, we're definitely glad to make it here, um, in one piece. So you can, um, can yeah, it can be a bit daunting to make those big trips, but yeah, we're definitely glad to be up here, and it's uh, an amazing spot, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least it probably wasn't bumper to bumper traffic and dealing with other cars on the road. But uh, so, like the shark mm. fishing wise, though, is the bulk yep. of that been in South Australia, or are you doing that as well where you're at now? Because I'm I, I'm imagine that's like two completely different topographies or two totally different kinds of fishing to go from one yeah. side of the country to the other. So where's most of the shark fishing been at on the South side? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, definitely did all my shark fishing, um, down South. And like, I originally, like when I first got into fishing, it's been quite a while now, but, um, when I originally first got into fishing, like I always wanted to catch a shark. I was like, mm-hmm. that's just what drew my attention. I was like, just really attracted to it. And was like, so keen to catch a shark. But, um, I didn't really have any, like, anyone to get information off and all that sort of stuff. So it took me um, probably a couple of years of trying to get my first one. But um, I, I started watching Black Tip H's um, videos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, his first one was, like, years and years ago, like, sort of at least 15 years ago probably. And um, I seen they were kayaking out baits. So um, once I got my, like, first kayak, I remember the first time I hooked a shark, it was um, rock fishing and I ballooned out a big um, snook off the rocks. Okay. <laughs> and then um, and then it, I was going on sunset and my reel just took off and I didn't know what to do. Like I was, yeah. thought I had my drag <laughs> tight, but I was like just kept on winding it up and like tightening it, tightening it and just kept on peeling line out. And I was just, yeah, just loving it but um it's starting to go around this point and then yeah eventually just busted me off on the rocks and i was so devastated after like yeah. <laughs> a couple of years of trying i thought i was finally going to get it but unfortunately <laughs> that one got away and then i think it was maybe a month later my um my mum dropped me down at this beach by myself and i like i just walked my kayak probably about 200 meters down the beach this like nice spot 
And uh, it, I remember it being pretty rough. And I was, I was like getting a bit worried to clock out the bait because I was by myself and it was pretty mm-hmm. rough. But I was like, oh, I'll just do it anyway. So yeah, <laughs> chucked on, um, chucked a couple big squid heads on the on the hook and put a big um sinker on there just so it would stay in one spot. And then, yeah, just kayaked out the bait. I remember going up and down these waves, like, couldn't really see the beach once I went down a wave. And I was like, oh, it's getting a bit <laughs> sketchy out here. So, yeah. But, but yeah, I got the bait, um, dropped it back to shore, and then I was sitting back, just chilling out. And it went off. And then I set the hook and I f- felt good weight. So I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Couldn't really um, feel many head shakes or nothing, though. So, I was sort of wondering if it was a shark or a stingray, but I kept mm. on winding it in, got it in pretty close, and then I seen like a big white flash, and then I was like, oh, no, it's a stingray. I thought it was like the wing of a stingray. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I kept on getting it in closer, and there was lots of weed on the line as well, so I was making it even, um, even harder. But then, yeah, I got it in closer, then I seen the fin, and I was just like, just couldn't stop screaming. I was like so happy. Yeah. Then I, uh, yeah. Then I finally got it in, and uh, yeah, I was so stoked. And it was about a six foot bronze whaler shark, which is okay. The most, yeah, it's probably it's definitely the most common species of shark in South Australia. I reckon like there's yeah plenty of them around um the inshore waters. And then yeah, got the hook out. Got a um, we didn't have anyone to take a picture of it, but I just got a little picture of it on my old um, flip phone and I was like so stoked and yeah I just then from there once I got that first one I just slowly started like working them out getting the technique better like getting more comfortable kayaking out baits and that sort of stuff getting better gear and just went on from there and I was like I was yeah flat out addicted to it for years and years so I've only yeah just started sort of just stopped sort of shark fishing recently I sort of moved on to other sort of fish species but yeah i definitely loved it for a lot of years yeah yeah that's a style of fishing that like a lot of guys get into just for the thrill of catching something big but i don't see a lot of guys that continue to do it for really long it's it's usually like a i don't know they graduate up to you know or transition into something different it's also a lot of work like i've dabbled in it too and uh, but I've never gone all the like all in on it. But I, you know, I I link up with a couple of the guys down here in in Florida pretty routinely. And some of these guys, like the spreads they have, the money invested in the gear, like the yeah, the, like the like uh put up time, the teardown time of just setting up to do it is longer than most yeah. of my fishing sessions. I mean, I would start fishing with exactly. these guys the other day, and it took like damn near five hours just to get the first bait in the water. My good God! <laughs> but when you're yeah, chasing after, when you're chasing after an animal that can get a thousand pounds, it's like you got to have like a real smart program in place, I guess. So I admire, I always admire the guys that are really like diehard shark fishermen. But where you're at, or where you were at, like, like, give me the rundown on some of the species that you run into because I've seen a few pictures. The bronze whalers yeah. look so awesome. I don't even know how to describe that. It's like. It looks like a giant dusky shark, kind of. But they get, yeah. they, they look like they get enormous. But then I see guys catching them on like spin reels. I'm like, how? How is that possible? Yeah. Like, what is the top yeah. end size? Uh, what are some of the other species that you can encounter out there? That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Mate, in South Australia, it's pretty much just all bronze whaler sharks. Um, mm. Like, yeah, I've done it for so many years and that's pretty much all I caught. Uh, I think I think we caught three hammerheads in um, yeah, all those years shark fishing there. They're not mm. the um, – I think they're the scalloped hammerhead or something like that. It's not like yeah. the big great hammerheads like we get up north. But, um, yeah, besides that, you get the odd – Great white shark that gets hooked because um, there's quite a few great white sharks from like where I'm from down south. Yeah, they're um quite common, but I never end up hooking one. I've I've spoken to a lot of other sort of people that shark fish there, and they've always said like they've hooked up to them, like they just get spooled in one run or they just bite yeah. through the wire trace. I know one of my mates who was shark fishing at a beach that I shark fish quite often. He um hooked up to this giant shark and was just his four hundred or five hundred pound wire trace was just bitten through in about twenty seconds after hooking up. So mm. but um yeah, it's pretty much just the bronze whalers, but they're an awesome shark. Like they the biggest one I ever got was just over ten foot, which um I was so stoked about. Nice. But yeah. I think they get up to, yeah, it's, it was a big fish. It was um yeah, an awesome awesome moment for sure. Um but the Biggest they get up to probably about twelve foot. Um, I've heard of a couple like being caught over eleven foot, but I don't reckon like twelve foot would be like a, a miracle bronze whaler. I reckon so. But yeah, they're they're awesome species. They fight really hard. They get big. They look cool, and yeah, they're just an all around great shark to target. But um, we also get some. We call them gummy sharks and school sharks. They're a smaller species, but we usually get them like surf casting from the rocks or from surf beaches. Okay. I don't really, yeah, don't really catch those ones like kayaking out big baits. They're usually smaller baits like off the surf beaches or off rocky headlands sort of thing. But they're also a good good um, fighting shark on like 40-pound tackle. They're, um, and good eating as well, those sharks, but it's all yeah. catch and release on there. <laughs> now those bronze whalers like they're they have such an awesome build to them they look so like streamlined like athletes like when i see a fish like yeah. that i'm like the thing looks like it's built for speed but then i've seen yeah. some of your tiger shark photos which is like i don't know there's it's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum more like giant tank um yeah but what what gets me is like you know a lot of the guys down here like the shark anglers that go for the the, the you know the higher end fish like that like some of your big tiger sharks even the big bronze whalers most of those guys are running in like big crews like they have got whole against like a whole team effort uh yeah, because i know yeah. that's like there's it's, it's real systematic everybody's got like a role to play with tailing the shark you know get you know having the tools and equipment ready to go to get a quick release but i i've noticed you're spending a lot of time out there either c- totally by yourself or maybe one yeah. other person or your girlfriend, who must be a total beast, to like <laughs> jump in there, and, like good God, these people are awesome. Yeah, but like <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, what is your, what's your like? Uh, I, I like to use the word pro, like program. But I notice at least y'all get to back your cars up, and in many cases, your trucks up to the to the beach on the beach. But you know what I mean. When yeah. you bring in a freaking twelve foot tiger shark and eleven foot tiger shark, like, like what are you, what are you doing, like? timeline wise to get in there 
get any potential photos and get the fish out? Like what's your setup? What tools do you have? That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely really focus on getting the, um, the fish in as quick as possible. Like I've always done that like ever like since the start. And it has, um, like I did get better and better as like I got more experience and I got more sort of captures under my belt. But I think, um, yeah, so I usually, I'm pretty laid back and cruisy about it all. But yeah, like I said, I still like to focus on it. But um, yeah, we tend to, we're allowed to like, yeah, have our cars on the beach. So I just like, yeah, get all the rods set up. I usually only fish with one rod, so that makes it easier. Yeah. But um, as far as, sorry, what was the question? Like, what do I do to? Yeah, like you got like certain tools that you have that are like, I can't leave home without, I don't know, bolt cutters. I can't leave home without a tail rope. Like, you know, things that you use to maximize getting the fish, you know, in and out the quickest as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once the fish is hooked, like, I. I usually um, try to run like decent tackle, like I like to run heavy drag and decent tackle to get the fish in quick. Then um, as far as all the two tools I have, I usually um, yeah always have a tail rope and it does help when someone is with me. But um, yeah, when I'm solo, yeah, always have the tail rope ready. I've got um, wire cutters and um, just big pliers to get the hook out. And then, um, yeah, once I sort of, once a fish, I know what the fish is doing. Like sometimes you have to walk like ages, so I grab a backpack. I usually have yeah, all my gear in uh-huh. a backpack ready to go. Yeah. Or I have like my friends following me down the beach if the shark's running down the beach and they've got all the um, tools on them. And then once um, we get the fish on the beach, it's like I sort of tend to keep them like half in, half out the water so the waves are still washing so they still get a bit of um water through the gills and mm-hmm. keeping their skin nice and wet they're not just drying out in the sun and then yeah it's usually getting get a tail rope on them get a measurement because um i used to tag a few sharks as well so I got yeah. the measurement and all that sort of stuff and then yeah tag in if i was still tagging and get the hook out and then yeah just go from there just let them go after that and watch them swim off i usually sort of push them in the water swim them a bit and, um, yeah, once they swim off, it's, yeah, usually makes it all worthwhile. But it's, yeah, it's really pretty cruisy how we do it. Like, we don't have big teams or nothing like that. Yeah. It's just, yeah, usually just a few friends on the beach kicking back and then, um, yeah, just having a good time, just having fun with it and, yeah, just enjoying your time on the beach, catching good fish. Yeah. I think a lot of times that having a big team is more about being able to put more lines in the water anyway. So <laughs> yeah. Like- now we got more rods, a bigger spread, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's like I I always like to ask that kind of stuff because I don't know about Australia. I guess that's part of the conversation that's interesting to me is like the perception of sharks or the perception of shark anglers amongst the general population. I know in Florida, like I don't know what the beaches look like that you're fishing. If they're like super remote or if they're public, if you're even encountering yeah. other human beings out there. But like in Florida, yeah, you have to be very like cautious and keenly aware of what you're doing because you know it's best to always like err on the caution that you're being watched and people are looking yeah, at what yeah. you're doing and there's this idea that the shark fishermen hate sharks and harass sharks and and kill sharks yeah. 
uh, or that yeah, were yeah. just uh, out there dumping blood in the water, bringing sharks in where people swim. So I know that first and yeah. foremost, like you operate that way because the shark's health is is number one. But then number two is understanding that you're kind of like a steward and an ambassador of the sport as a whole. Because like around yeah. here, it takes it takes one dead shark, like one wash up, or like one yeah. idiot to get filmed by some lady on a condo to <laughs> you know to to paint a picture of all shark fishermen as being awful. So I was yeah, curious, yeah. like if you could have to fight with that as much, because I noticed most of your photos are like in broad daylight. Most of the shark fishermen in Florida only operate at night, mostly so nobody yeah. sees you. But uh, yeah, man, like what is people's perception of sharks in general or shark fishermen? Do you get a lot of pushback from from the public? Um, I haven't got a lot of pushback personally. Like a few of my videos on YouTube, they get like a few hate comments. And I think one of my photos on Instagram, that got a bit of like yeah, a bit of hate on it too. But in general, it's pretty good because um, where I fish, I'm pretty lucky when I was living back down south, the beaches I tend to shark fish was only like a 20-minute drive from where I live. So it's just awesome. The beaches are public, so you do like there usually is people down the beach from time to time. But um, if there was people like camping at one end of the beach, I'd sort of like move down the beach a few hundred metres and um, just try to stay away from them. But people are usually pretty cool about it. Like everyone from Australia, they're, like if they're going out camping, they're pretty relaxed. Like they actually, they walk past you and say, oh, what are you catching? And I was like chasing sharks. And they're like, oh, yeah, they were pretty like interested. They would like sort of chat to you about it and they'll call about it. I've never had anyone like harass me down the beach or nothing like that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it is, I don't, I don't know what you mean. Like if a dead shark does, does wash up, it sort of wrecks it for everyone. And then, yeah, you might get some bad, um, bad press in the news and all that. But, um, yeah, I was also lucky because I live in sort of country Australia and it's yeah. it's pretty – everyone's pretty good. But I know like in um, around the cities, I know for Adelaide because that's the capital city from the state that I was from, they've got like pretty strict regu- regulations on shark fishing. Like you can think it's – you can only shark fish from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. in the morning. Okay. And you can only use like certain size hooks certain size wire trace and i think that's only been in for oh maybe about five years because you used to be able to shark fish during the day and you'd see people hook big sharks off the jetty and you'll just have hundreds of people around them and it's just a bit of a chaotic scene which um can yeah put shark fishing in a bad light if they if they don't handle the shark correctly then everyone sort of gets on the bandwagon and hates on shark fishing but in general, it's pretty good in Australia, I feel like. And me personally, I've caught a bit of flack on YouTube comments, but you don't really look into it. You don't let it worry you. And I, yeah. I usually think I handle the sharks pretty good. So, oh yeah, I love just catching them and making them, like watching them swim off in good health. That's like what I do it for. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's pretty good here, like, fortunately, so. Yeah, that's good. Oh, that comes with the territory with the YouTube thing. It's like there's like unhappy people out there in the world who their only source yeah. of happiness is to get online. And <laughs> I don't know who these people. They live in their mom's basement somewhere. 
They're just not happy yeah, yeah. with their personal circumstances. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> that's always interesting, though. Like, it's like a good thing and a bad thing when you when you hear about like uh, rules, like what you mentioned before. Where like, well, now you can like really only fish nine p.m. to five a.m. Certain kinds of wire trace, and it's yeah. like it's good, but then it also that kind of stuff around here anyway makes me nervous because normally when like if there's like legislation to ban something, they don't just cannonball in with like the knockout punch right off the bat. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. they they move in inches. But the end yeah. game is to like ultimately like the end game is an, an outright ban. But it's like, let's take another step forward. Let's take another. Let's close in the walls until people start stepping outside those walls and say, look, look at them. They're, they've gone yeah. rogue. They're not following the rules. Yeah, exactly. Take take more away. No. So not that that's what's going on, but, um, you know, I know I had mentioned before, it sounds like it's very recent and maybe not even in your neck of the woods, um, or where you were at, but I had read online after I'd reached out to you because, you know, I wanted to look up shark fishing in Australia just to look at, you know, get an idea of the landscape of the sport out there. And, uh, I saw this headline about them. Try pushing for an outright ban. It's like Australia takes one step closer towards an outright ban towards shark fishing. I was like, oh shit, you know, oh no. And uh, granted, I think this is more Western Australia, but it was like, yeah. I think this was as recent as like last November. And then like banning the use of wire trace. Like to me, that's like, let's take the first thing away. Now let's take yeah, the next yeah. thing away. Once they say no deploying baits with kayaks, that's it. Shark fishing's basically over. Um, yeah, which yeah. they've done that here. So it's like, you know, what do you think is prompting that? Do you think it's, you know what I mean? It's like, what, what, what do you think is, there's like a cause and effect behind everything, but like, where do you think, granted, this is all opinion based. Like, where do you think that's coming from? This idea that they, I don't know, man, like, might, might take it away. Yeah. It's a funny one. I don't know. I think people just think, yeah, they got like a really, like they like people in general just love sharks and they don't want to see them get hurt. And for some reason, like fishing for them, like they're okay if you catch a normal fish off the beach, but if you catch a shark, it's like completely different. It's this whole new thing, like you're catching this precious sort of animal. But um, yeah, I know I'm not real sort of read up on the Western Australia topic, but um, yeah, I know like once they've like um, like they had a few shark attacks, and I don't know if they sort of contribute people shark fishing off the beach and maybe bringing in sharks. Yeah, that could cause attacks. So they're like, oh, we should ban shark fishing to stop the sharks coming in closer contact with people and all that sort of stuff. So that might have something to do with it. But um, yeah, it's a tough topic because yeah, I feel like most of the people like they just they get all up in arms if you catch a shark and in front of a huge crowd and like the like you said before like if someone like if a shark washes up and someone does a bad job it just comes back and puts bad light on everyone so yeah, yeah i reckon it's more the case i think it's just more the case of like people just don't want to see like a a big beautiful animal get sort of pulled up on the beach and sort of have people running around it they just want to see him swim free and be happy sort of thing but yeah. yeah, it's still like, I think, yeah, they're it's strong like, fish. I don't reckon fishing for them's going to hurt them much. So. Right. Well, it's funny how there's like two total opposite ends of the spectrum, and I don't know where things like shifted. 
But like, I remember, or well, you know, I'm only 37, but you know, by many accounts, there was a time where like shark killers were like heroes. Like you were applauded. You were the front page of the news. If you were the guy that killed a shark, you're like, you did a great thing. You know, and we'd see all these (laughs) photos here in America. You know what it was? It was the movie Jaws. It just terrified people. I mean, it kept it, people. It, people didn't want to go to the deep end of the local swimming pool after Jaws. Everybody's terrified yeah. of the water. So there was definitely a period, at least here in the U.S., where it was like these photos of dead tiger sharks and dead great white sharks or big whatever type of sharks like dangling at the local marina by their tail. I mean, this was front yeah. page newsworthy. That guy was like a hero. Local legends were shark killers. Yeah, Everybody exactly. loved yeah. them. And then somewhere along the way, in like the last 60 years, there was like this total shift where now like the sharks are beloved, which, you know, if you're going to pick your poison, that's probably better than, than the, than the other way. It's, it's, you know, you don't, it it sucks, but you'd rather people be more cautious and more, I don't know, loving the sharks than wanting them all just dead. Like, oh, there's been a shark attack up in New England. And then they like send out fishermen parties to go out and just slay the hell out of sharks. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Um, we're beyond that, but uh, yeah, man, it's it's an interesting one. And uh, you know, we see that here, and it's it's unfortunate that the people that do pass legislation, like normal folks, aren't showing up to those like meetings to talk. You know what I mean? It's like the loudest, yeah. most like angry folks with their pitchforks and their torches that show up. You know, talking about what's going. This is a travesty. This is out of control. Like so, they, that yeah. voice is always the one in the ear of the people that have to like make change. But um, yeah, you know, it's it's just funny. Like some of these folks that complain online, though. You know, wait. <laughs> I like I've had encounters out on the beach where like some woman or some man will walk up and ask, "Well, what are you doing?" Oh, show me. Yeah. that's interesting. That's interesting. And then, like, they walk off, and then you like you see them over by the sand dune on their cell phone. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I know damn well what you're doing over there. Like, you know, they, exactly. they act like they're your friend, and they don't want to confront you face to face, and they don't want the solid facts straight from you. They don't want the yeah. dialogue from you. And you know, a yeah. simple conversation could avoid it all. They go straight over, hide on the other side of the dunes, and. Call the police and stuff, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, but, yeah. I do think it's um, yeah, I do think it's better. Like these days, like still, like with all these possible bands coming, and I still think, like you said, it's better than seeing like big sharks hanging up like on the dock by their tails and like sort of yeah, sharks being put as a bad guy sort of thing. But yeah, I think maybe just I don't know if um. Like just the general public just needs to be educated a bit better. Like shark fishing, like catch and release shark fishing. It's as long as it's done right, it's just a good a good pastime to do. It's just it's fishing in the end, and fishing's like it's always been fun for people, and we like we've done it forever, and it's just like it's just an enjoyable sport, and lots of people love doing it, and it's it's also can be good for the sharks, like doing um like research. Like I used to tag a lot of sharks, and that could be used for potential like research down the um down the track and actually look after the fish so yeah maybe a bit more education would help the the public and yeah maybe people tagging and explaining that to people they actually doing a good thing like helping the sharks out instead of just 
looking like bad guys trying to look cool catching a big fish sort of thing but yeah i think a lot of times it's like in how you react because it's very easy when these folks come at you with like aggression or come at you in an attacking way to like yeah the first thing you want to do is get defensive like fuck you like back off but you know exactly (laughs) uh it's not not the best way you know what i mean it's like they just I think like those people, they, they try to like stoke the fire. You know what I mean? They try to provoke you into yeah. acting and showing, showing your ass. So it's better to, yeah. better to show that you're not some dummy out there dropping meat in the water and you just don't have it. Like you're some, some caveman on the beach, but, um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, man, yeah. Yeah. Your shark fishing stuff is awesome. Um, I love shark fishing here, but it's like, you know, you, you just drink the American angler, like dreams of places like Australia. It's like it's on every angler's like bucket list, and like you're right in the the meat of it. Um, but so yeah. just transitioning now to where you're at today, like just tell me a little bit about like the transition from South Australia to North Australia. What is it, Nolan Boy? I don't know if I'm going to pronounce that right. Yeah, yeah, it's I'll try my best. Um, yeah, it's a bit it's a bit of a tricky one, but yeah, Nolan Boy. It's in um Northern Territory in a. Uh, Far East Arnhem Land, so it's a it's a very remote spot. It's probably one of the remote, like the most remote towns in Australia, to be honest. Like it's pretty hard yeah. to get to, and it's like yeah, way out in the middle of nowhere. And the um the fishing's absolutely sensational here. Yeah, but um yeah, it was definitely a big a big um move, like from south up to north, because everything's like completely different. Like you got you get really big tides up here, like strong currents, and like completely different fishing conditions and you got like crocodiles to worry about and oh. <laughs> like heaps of sharks as well so yeah. it's just like completely completely different from south but i've always always dreamed like when you live south you always sort of dream about the fishing up north because it's just so much variety mm. the um the big fish and like just everything's just times by 10 moving up here so it's exciting spot but um yeah, it does take a bit to get used to like you need to like yeah work around the tides and everything like that but um it's definitely been i'm still like because we haven't been up here a year still learning heaps but um yeah just chasing different species of fish like throwing big big poppers and big stick baits is what i've dreamed about like, yeah <laughs> from down south coming up here it's just like so much better i love it so enjoying it heaps yeah yeah that is the stuff that like keeps you up at night like i'm telling you like the videos it's always the guys in australia or people at least with like an australian accent i don't know if they're in australia i see some of them are like in the red sea some of them are in like over in i don't know where uh yeah like south pacific islands or something like that but um it's always these guys on these rocks throwing these huge plugs catching pelagic fish from rocks and it's like yeah I'm talking everybody wants in on that action. So I was like, excuse me. This is where I'm going to start getting fired up. I was watching your videos. (laughs) And it's always like the way that y'all scream and shout when you get hooked up is like, I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, I don't know if that's good for the soul or bad for the soul. Like You can have a heart attack out there on the rocks one day. But um, I'm, I'm so interested in those spots. Because I can't tell if you're on mainland, like Australia, or like, are you out on, maybe it's a little bit of both. But some of these areas that I see you standing on the edges of rocks, popping for, you know, I think the most common one everybody sees are the GTs. 
but you've caught a lot of stuff yeah. that I think aren't on people's radar way over here. Like we all think of the GTs. Yeah. Like, that's like the first one we think of. But I know there's other ones that might even be more interesting to me. But uh, where are you at? Like, how are you getting to these places? Are they right off the road? Are you having to use a boat to get to islands? Just tell me about like the accessibility yeah. of these spots and the nature of the fishing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just to start off with um, like the land-based pelagic sort of like obsession I've got now. Like um, ages ago when I was living back down south, we were watching um, like all the morning tide videos on YouTube. I'm not sure if you know them or yeah, some, do, yeah. some of your <laughs> listeners. Yeah, your, your listeners would probably know of them. But, um, yeah, we'd always used to watch them and just think, like, it'd just be crazy going to these, like, northern northern places, catching big big fish on big lures off a of rock. So I was just, like, the pinnacle of everything. But, um, yeah, so since moving up here, that's all I've been doing, just flat out. And most of them have been um, just land-based spots. Like, I've got a good spot, like, it's probably only, like, 20 minutes away from where I live now, and I've caught some nice fish off there but um it's all it's all pretty much just yeah you drive to a spot you might have to walk like um half an hour to get to it or an hour to get to some spots but um yeah most of them's pretty accessible i'd like to there was one trip me and my mate did that was in queensland so not in the northern territory but um yeah we flew up to queensland from south australia and then we got a boat out to this um this big big island that has like a resort has like a few shacks on it and it's a bit of a um a tourist attraction and then we got a smaller boat from that island out to a, a smaller island probably about 20 minute boat drive and that's and we fish for um yeah gts and spanish mackerel off the rocks there and that was like one of those we'll just we're stuck on this island for 10 days we said like drop us off but well, to start off with the water we bought a cheap tent like yeah. from um yeah, bought a cheap tent from this just like um this Kmart and then cheap tent got like a couple cheap air mattresses, like everything was just yeah, pretty average going and then yeah, we like just drop us off at this island and come pick us up in ten days and that was just an unreal experience and yeah, we caught some good fish and it was yeah, it's just awesome to be out there and just like you wake up and you fish straight away all day and the fish you can catch is absolutely in like insane and so much variety and it's just yeah really intense fishing like you said like as soon as you hook up like you're using very heavy tackle to stop these fish and it's you got big currents going past you and like fishes they hit so hard like they almost pull you off the rocks if you're not ready so you gotta really be on your toes the whole time it's it's uh, a team effort like it's pretty hard to do yeah. by yourself it's a team effort your mates your mates sort of standing behind you in case you like get busted off by a fish on lock drag so you don't like fall over and like crack your head open on the rocks or something like that yeah. It's, yeah. it's intense fun fishing and it's yeah yeah i want to get more into like story time here because i know i'm sort of like throwing out broad topics i'm like tell me about catching these fish from these rocks there's like <clears throat> Yeah, that's like a big that's like a big broad thing. Now, I, as soon as you yeah. started describing what you were just talking about, I'm like, OK, now that is like I had actually jotted that down because I watched one of your videos and it blew my mind. Like, we don't yeah. have that stuff here, but I want to say it was like, was that when you were fishing near again? I might butcher the name. 
it was like the East Arnhem Islands or something like that. There's this video where this mackerel yeah. goes flying through the air, like looks like it's yeah. 20 <laughs> feet out of the air, comes back yeah, down yeah, to the yeah. water, proceeds to almost get blitzed by a giant pack of bull sharks. Yeah. Utter chaos <laughs> yeah. has just like unleashed yeah. all hell upon y'all. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's fishing yeah. in the wild, wild west. <laughs> like, yeah. like this, tell me about so. I want to know specifics about that 10 day trip. Like that's, that's the stuff I like to know about. Now you yeah. just like chartered a boat and said, like, what did you do? Just pay some guy and say, Hey, t- drop us off on this Island. Like you can just do that. Like, yeah. how do you know he's going to come back? Is it a tour agency? Like what if he <laughs> yeah. forgets you? Yeah. No, we sort of planned it pretty well. Like to start off with, we did our research on like the islands and um, there's one of the islands we've seen on YouTube that these other people fish. So it's, it's not like it's some like deserted island in the middle of nowhere. Like it's got mm. a few campsites on it, and it's yeah, not heaps far from shoot like land. It's but it's um yeah, quite a popular spot, and people fish it out in boats pretty often. But so we decided the island we wanted to go to, done our research, like booked all our flights, um, booked the ferry over to the island, and then we yeah got this got in contact with this dude. He said yeah, I can drop you off and pick you up sort of thing and then and then yeah we just um fished for 10 days straight and that was the main targets were gts but we ended up catching like queen fish and spanish mackerel and all that but um so we got there in like day one we got there in the afternoon and we just had a quick afternoon session for a couple of hours and it was about a um probably like a 45 minute walk really really scenic walk like you're walking up on these big tall like hills on this island and it's absolutely yeah. unreal scenery we walked down onto the ledge and started fishing and it's just like you're working your way into it like just warming up a bit just trying to get a feel of a new location because yeah it was so much different compared to south australia this was before i come up to northern territory so it's like yeah way different to um down south and yeah, I was just my mate was just walked off down the rocks a bit, and I was just like wasn't even looking. I was just like almost had my lure just sitting in the water, and like a a small GT just come out of nowhere and smacked it, and almost pulled me in off the rocks. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, holy! I thought it was actual big fish, but then like a second after, I went, so I sort of got settled and like, oh, it's not that big. So managed to get that up on the rocks, and I was stoked with that. But um, yeah, that was the only fish we got for like day one. And then the next day, it was good weather, good tides, because you want the um want the big tides to really get the current moving for the GTs. That really fires them up. So yeah, we fished hard that all the next day, and we had like a few GTs come up and like miss the lure and like just mm. get real fired up that they just weren't fully committing. And yeah, I remember it was about the same time, so the sun was just starting to set, and I was just like throwing lures, big lures all day, absolutely buggered. And then I was just like in the rhythm, just working the stick bait. And then it just got absolutely smacked by this big GT. I seen his whole like shoulders and back were out the water and just T-boned the lure Ugh. and just like took it. <laughs> yeah. It was absolutely, the strikes are insane on these fish. They just, they hit so hard. It's incredible. And then, yeah, he took a good first run on like fully locked drag on like PE8 tackle. And I was just, it's such an intense fight because you want to get them up as quick as you can. And yeah, it's just, and you don't want to like, you don't want to get pulled in, and yeah, it's just insane. But I was, I was trying to pump him up as hard as I could, 
but he was staying down deep and he was moving into the current, so it was real heavy to lift, but unfortunately he just got me on like a ledge and I lost that fish and I was just absolutely spewing. Oh. But, um, yeah, I was so, yeah, so disappointed. But, yeah, we fished hard for like the next, like, yeah, three or four days and we had a few days where the weather wasn't good, so we just chilled out back at camp and just flicked lighter tackle, caught like little cod and other species like that. Then like the last the last um, two days we were there, the weather started coming good again. So we went back down to the main ledge and just started fishing hard again. Um, I got one more small GT and my, my mate got an absolutely giant Spanish mackerel. I think, um, I think they're called kingfish where you're yeah. from. I had like jotted that down. I was like, I need to make a very clear distinction here (laughs) because people listening here, what we call a Spanish mackerel only gets like this big. Mm. You know, they look similar, but they're like this, you know, know, they're small little fish. Yeah. I need to make sure people don't think that we're talking about our version of a Spanish mackerel because the ones that y'all are catching, well, we call them king mackerel. King mackerel, and I yeah. think it's the same thing. It look our king mackerel look exactly like the ones that y'all call Spanish mackerel, um, yeah. But they get enormous. And so when you mentioned that yeah. your buddy caught the big one, I think that video might be on YouTube, or at least I see seen the photos of some guy yeah. holding this thing like like he's holding a damn log. This enormous <laughs> fish. I yeah. mean, like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like some people are listening; they don't even see me doing this, but um, yeah. you know, for people listening, describe. You know, lengthwise, size-wise, how big these mackerel get. Because we're yeah. not talking about our Spanish mackerel. We're talking about a whole yeah. other monster here. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, the one my mate caught, it was 166 centimeters, which I'm not sure what that is in feet, all that sort of stuff, but it was about 30 kilos, which would be, I know, around 70, 75 pounds. Yeah. And it was, yeah, an absolute giant of a fish. It, like, yeah, he got him on a popper as well, and it was just a crazy fight. Um, and it was such a, it was so intense to try and land it because the, the wash was hitting the, um, the rocks, and it was just crazy trying to get this huge fish in. And it ended up snapping him, like, breaking his line, like, hit his leader on a rock, and it just snapped. And then the fish was, like, in the wash, oh, washing around. Right, yeah. You couldn't see it. There's all that white water, and then I ended up having to jump in and grab it, and then just get knocked over by the rocks. <laughs> got lost, lost my son. He's cut up on the legs, but it was worth it in the end because it's just a fish of a lifetime for him. But they do get even bigger than that. I reckon. Oh, they'll get oh, probably forty kilos plus, which is they'd probably get hundred pound. I reckon, and yeah. then maybe like two meters long or something would be like max but yeah they're a crazy big fish at that size it's huge head massive girth and they're just a powerful powerful animal so i definitely saw that video online because i was like yeah i remember that he breaks off and then you i guess it was you like wearing like a gopro or something diving in after the fish to wrestle the damn thing to shore (laughs) and like it's funny because you're you're sort of like mentioning that like it's a casual thing oh that's just what we do like a lot of guys (laughs) would just be like ah we lost it well, you know, yeah, to, to, yeah. what what's crazy is like it's such a, you know, what I mean, 
it makes you one hell of a fishing partner, I guess. But you know, thinking that, thinking about the element that you're still out on this remote island, probably far from the nearest hospital or anybody that could render any sort of aid. Tell me about like the yeah. camp life. You know what I mean? Like that side of it, the, the fishing speaks for itself. Like we all want to catch the big fish, but uh, you know, just the lifestyle on the island for ten days. What are you eating? Like you had to bring a lot of like food. Did you have like a satellite phone? Yeah. Like what if something went wrong? Like what is your yeah. means of connection with? the mainland yeah well lucky on this trip like because it wasn't like a crazy remote island and we always had lots sort of other people around us and we had um phone okay. reception which was lucky but i oh, um, nice. still okay. with yeah which we we're pretty lucky but still if we um were down at the ledge because it's you have to walk down a cliff to sort of get down to it like if one of us fell off and like broke their leg or something like that Ugh. the other i don't i'm not not sure if the other person would be able to carry him up the cliff. So you'd have to like, you'd have to like leave your friend down there, get get up to the top of the hill, call in like a like a oh, a boat or something to pick him up or something like that. So it'd still be a bit of drama. But luckily, this island wasn't super remote, so you could um get service and all that. But um yeah. We just had lots of like canned tuna and like baked beans. <laughs> we sort of like yeah. we didn't. We, we bought a little gas cooker, so we cooked up, like, sausages. We had, a like, a small esky cooler, so we had, like, yeah, some sausages and that sort of stuff. But, yeah, it was mainly just, yeah, living on baked beans and we bought some, <laughs> pre-work- bought some pre-workout with us, so that sort of got us through the days. Yeah. <laughs> but it gave us a bit of an energy kick. But, um, no, nah, it's really good living. There was luckily there was some other people there as well, and they went out spearfishing, so they gave us some fish, which was good of them. And, um, oh, that's cool! Yeah, yeah, but it, and we also unfortunately that mackerel died once we landed it because they're very fragile. Once you get them out of the water, yeah, you have to be real quick to get them back in. But um, we were just we wanted to release it, like we love catch and release, but unfortunately we couldn't couldn't get it done. But that's um, like we could eat fish if we wanted to on those remote islands as well. It's always good to get a fresh feed of fish, but it was yeah, it's just a good lifestyle. You like you wake up and fish straight away, and just real laid back, and just yeah, definitely, definitely the way to go. Better than working, hundred percent. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's like, uh, that is like the ultimate experience. I like see that stuff. I'm like, <clears throat> you know, we we throw around the term bucket list, and it's not just bucket yeah. list fish. I think like a GT is on everybody's bucket list or a lot of people's bucket list but like me i'm more into like yeah. bucket list experiences like i want to catch certain fish but like i want to catch them in certain places you know what i mean yeah like and I, it's yeah. like the experience of doing that like throwing big plugs from the rocks or like the coral ledges is like i mean it's just dream fishing so like watch your stuff i'm like this is so phenomenal but uh <clears throat> yeah. you know, so what gets me in some of those areas is like how marauding and like relentless the packs of sharks are. I mean, on top of how powerful oh, the yeah. fish is, the physical hazards of where you're standing in some cases, and then the like the threat of losing the fish to the rock itself. You also have to contend with, you know, minimizing the fight time because your fish is going to get sharked. So I guess you're like locked yeah. down drag on these like incredibly powerful fish. Yeah. I watched one video, blew my mind. It might have actually been that one, that same mackerel video where it went flying through the air. But it was like, I mean, these sharks are coming in hot. They're all over yeah. the fish. 
Like, I'm not yeah. going to reach my hands in there to grab the damn fish. Like, nah. I'm, not, I'm not going for that. I think it was like yeah, a girlfriend yeah. or somebody just dove right in. I yeah. Mean, just, yeah, that was clutch what she did. Yeah. Uh, I guess there's no way around it. I mean, what can you do to avoid all the sharks? It's just part of the game. Like, you're going to get taxed yeah. some percentage of your catches. Yeah, so that's uh, the only bad thing about living up here is the sharks are just absolutely crazy. Like, yeah, it's really disheartening when you hook a good fish, and we've had it happen so many times already. Like, you hook a good fish and it gets sharked, and it's just uh, such a shit feeling. Like, you're killing a fish unnecessarily, and it's just uh, just a uh, real heartbreak, and it really puts a downer on things. But yeah, if the sharks rock up, you just have to move. Like, you can't get a fish past the sharks, yeah. unfortunately, especially. Like you can try like full lock drag, you can try to get them in quick, but most of the time the sharks are too quick. With the um with the big Spanish mackerel, we've um tried this once because um like the mackerel will hit the lure, then once the sharks start coming after them, they'll jump to try and get away from him. Yeah, and um we found this once where as soon as they jump once, you just open the bail arm and let them free spot. Let them run, yeah. Then you, yeah, and then you just sort of like you feather and line out, and you're just following the following the fish with the boat, and then yeah, once you give it, I don't know, maybe like twenty seconds or something, you let it run away, and the sharks sort of lose interest, and then you you go hard on them again to pump them back up to you. And we've done that once, and it's actually worked, but it's sort of hard to do in the moment, especially if you're drifting and the motor's off. It's a lot to do yeah. at once. So um, yeah, usually you try and. Get them in quick, just full lock. But um, yeah, we've seen yeah several fish get like big mackerel and like GTs and stuff to get absolutely destroyed by sharks, and it's just uh, disheartening yeah. and it's just, uh, it just really annoys you. It's the only bad thing about up north here is the amount of sharks, unfortunately. Yeah, that's rough. Well, we get a lot of that in certain parts of Florida too. Is like there's there's notorious areas where you know you're yeah. like the tarpon guys deal with it a lot. Where they're, you know, your fish are just going to get sharked. I've seen it in Boca Grande Pass yeah. near where I live. And what's crazy yeah. is like, it's hard to tell if it's, I think it's a lot of sharks. I think it's that the population yeah. is high in these areas. But I also think like they're not stupid animals like people think. Like sharks aren't yeah. just, just idiots. Like, you know, I mean, we get the same thing with our Goliath grouper. And I saw one photo where it looked like a grouper took one of your fish. Yeah. Is that a quaint? <laughs> Queensland grouper and Goliath grouper look like the same thing to me. It's like yeah. the same beast to deal with, but it's like they yeah. learn what your boat is. Like they know yeah. what a boat means. And like, yeah, I've been to places over here on our, the East coast of Florida where like these gigantic Goliath grouper, like they'll just, they'll sit under your boat and like, look up at you waiting. Like you're, yeah, you're, waiting bring, to hook up you're about to bring yeah. my food to me. And it's, uh, <laughs> yes, there's nothing you can do. Guys sit around and get all pissed off about it. Like you just, you have to leave. You have to move. Yeah, there's no exactly. way around it. But, uh, but yeah. anyway, man, I want to talk about like the GTs sell themselves and it's it, and D GT talk is kind of like a dime a dozen. It's a fish I'd absolutely love to catch. Um, closest yeah. thing we have is like, we've got these fish here called a Jack Creval, which is like the smaller cousin. It, yeah. They look almost identical. They behave very simu similar. <clears throat> In fact, a lot of guys yeah. here are starting to fish for them the same way. They like go out on jetty edges and rock edges and and are throwing big plugs mm -hmm. and big poppers for like 40, 50 pound uh, Jack Creval to, tr yeah. to try to simulate GT fishing. 
But you, yeah, you, yeah. you want you want in on that action, but maybe the money's not quite there to make that trip. But some of the other yeah. fish y'all have are so interesting to me because they're very similar to what we have. And I saw one on your page called a queen fish. That's yeah. really interesting and just badass looking. But it looks a lot like we've got these little fish here in Florida that look, they get like this big. And we call them yeah. leather jacks. They're called leather jacks. They're actually a pain in the ass. They're like prick the <laughs> hell out of you. They got these little spines that like they got one spine that faces forward and another one that's yeah. up and then another one that's back. And they all look almost identical. Surely they're related yeah. or in the same family as y'all's queen fish. But yeah, yeah, man, tell me about these queen fish. I don't know. Just give me the quick rundown on what they look like. Is that nature of the fishing the same? Is it just bycatch when you're chasing GTs? Those queen fish look awesome. Yeah. 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 Queen fish for me, they're just, yeah, um, bycatch while chasing GTs. Like I've caught um, queenies like in the same spot. So I'm just mainly, I rock up to a spot and I'm fishing for GTs and like queen fish being a pelagic fish. So sort of. They pretty much hang out in the same sort of areas, like where there's current, bait, and structure, that sort of stuff. They hang out there. But, um, yeah, they're an awesome fish. Like, they grow quite big. Um, they hit all types of lures. They fight hard. And they, they actually jump quite a bit, which is pretty cool. I know um, a lot of fly fishermen like chasing them on the flats as well because, um, yeah, they don't, really, they don't really run you to structure or anything. They just pull hard and they just, yeah, fight good. But um, yeah, they're an awesome fish. They, they yeah, got they do they tick all the boxes, and they're, they're an awesome, awesome bycatch. That's for sure. That's like some of the, the best things about GT fishing is like the bycatch. You can catch all sorts yeah. of awesome fish, and they all fight hard. They all hit like top water lures. They all yeah hit hard, and there's great fish to catch. Yeah, I saw I saw one that I always love fisheries where you can send a bait out or you can send a lure out and it's anyone's guess as to what you're going to catch. You know, yeah. it's maybe sometimes it's a pesky thing and you want nothing to do with it. But, um, one of your videos, yes. I don't know if you were shark, you were on sand, you weren't on rocks, <clears throat> but yeah. y'all caught what looked to me like what we call an amberjack. And oh, I think yeah, in the yeah. description, it was a, it was a Samson fish, which then I Googled it. I'm like, what the hell is a Samson fish? Yeah. Now, is yep. that a common occurrence or was that like a freak catch? Because I'm like, that that looks like a giant amberjack caught from the sand. I'm like, I don't think that that ever happens down here or up here, yeah. over here. <laughs> yeah. So Samson fish, uh, they're in the same family as an amberjack. So you got like the um, you got the Samson fish, amberjack, and what we call yellowtail kingfish. They're like, they're all in that same family and they love catching them. They just fight so hard. But that one I got off the beach were actually, that's when me and Chris actually went shark fishing to Western Australia. And, um, yeah, we just had the shark bait out. And I remember seeing, a, and we haven't caught nothing, like the, sl- the day was pretty slow. And mm. I remember, like, seeing this big stingray, like, sort of cruise about 20 or 30 metres offshore. And I was like, oh, just want something to do. Like, yeah. Just hook something <laughs> to keep me occupied. So I just, I remember just putting on a, like a, a fillet of macaroons casting the bait at it with my like my forty pound surf casting outfit. And then I cast it out, it hit the water, and then like pretty much straight away, like my, my rod was going off like before I got it to the rod holder. I'm like, what the hell was going on? Like I didn't know what's happening. Tightened up and it just took off. It was fighting so hard. And then yeah, took a couple of nice runs and we got it to close to the beach. And I 
didn't know, have, didn't have any idea on what it was and I was just saying it was dark and I thought it, like it might have been a little shark and I'm like, that fought pretty good for like a small shark and we got it in and it was, yeah, a decent-sized Samson fish and we were just losing it. I was like so surprised. It was just such a such a crazy thing. But um, I think in Western Australia it's quite common to catch Samson fish like land base there because we get a lot we get a lot out on the boat back um south in South Australia where I'm from they're um quite common on the offshore reefs but um to catch one off the beach it was just a crazy thing but I think it's quite common to catch them land base in WA I'm not sure what it is it might be different water temperature or currents or something but they come quite close to land quite often but it was yeah a really surprised catch and yeah. they're an awesome fish yeah I'd love to be able to yeah, catch them all the time. But yeah, it was a yeah, very good surprise. Yeah. Well, there's one that you seem to catch with a little bit more consistency that I thought, I was like, I, now that's, a, that's an interesting fish because I had never even seen them yeah. until I saw your page. And the yeah. way you're fishing for them, again, it's, it looks like it's from the rocks. It looks like it's like right in the rocks, like in crevices, like right beside the, the edge. Yeah. These fish, yep. you call them blue groper. Is it groper or grouper? Uh, we call them blue groper. Yeah, groper. So in this video, you're taking bread. I'm like, what is this? Some kind of sea carp? Like you're like throwing bread <laughs> in the water. I'm like, I don't yeah. think, I, I can't think of any other saltwater fish of any, with any respectable size that somebody would use bread for. I don't know if yeah. you're using that as bait or using it as like an attractant. They're like, I don't know, man. Like, tell me about, a blue groper, and what is the purpose of throwing bread? Because that is an interesting-looking yeah. <laughs> fish. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely um, an interesting fish, and they're actually um, they're not actually a groper. They're a ras. And oh, okay. I be- yeah, I don't know why they called them blue groper. They just, yeah, whoever discovered them must have like, thought they were a groper or something, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a yeah misleading, misleading name. But, yeah, so they're pretty sure they're, the second largest species of wrasse, the biggest ones are hump-headed marrier wrasse, which is like mm. what you get on the Great Barrier Reef and all that. But, um, yeah, these fish are awesome and they grow huge and fight hard. But, um, yeah, with the bread, that's more just like early as an attractant. Like I just chuck it, chuck whatever I can get my hands in. It's like hands on just to like, <laughs> yeah, just to, yeah, just to burly up the fish to bring them in to like get them, get them biting and all that sort of stuff. But when I first started chasing blue groper off the rocks, it was probably just when I sort of started to um, like slow up with my shark fishing. Like I wanted, like I sort of stopped shark fishing in much and wanted to chase other fish. And yeah, I was sort of wanted to catch another big fish that was like land based because I didn't have a boat at the time. So I was like seeing like new blue groper, they come quite close into the rocks. So I like, yeah, just started doing that and I, Tried doing it for a little while and didn't have any success. I was just catching like little shit fish off the rocks and nothing too good. Yeah. But um, <laughs> myself, myself and one of my um good mates, we um had one session at this at this um rock ledge that just drops straight off to deep water. That's sort of like the ideal. You get them in shallow quite often as well, but we tend to fish off like rock ledges that drop straight off into real deep water. Mm. But um, he ended up catching one small one on a um on a crab. They love crabs. It's probably the best bait for them. And then, and then I lost one unfortunately. So I was 
yeah, disappointed about that. But then we sort of got on Google Maps and was looking at spots that looked like it has deep water close to the rocks and we're like, right, I think we can drive to there. So we like, yeah, just Google Maps and then we ended up finding a track to get down there, bit of a walk, and we sort of started catching a couple and, like, they weren't too big. But then we had this really insane day where we just caught, like, we hooked about five, I think, but only landed one, I reckon, because they, they fight so hard. And it's yeah. just some of these rock, yeah, one of some of these rock ledges, they're like, it's like a bit of a drop to the water and it's quite dangerous fishing. Like, if you get swept off the rocks, like, it's not going to end too good for you in most yeah. cases. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just like fishing. You pretty much use GT tackle. So you use big spinning reels, like big, strong stick bait rods. And you're casting like um, just like a heavy sinker with a strong hook and, yeah, using crabs for bait mainly. But you can use like squid and all that. And it's just, yeah, full lock drag trying to get these big fish up because they just want to go straight back to the cave or their little ledge as soon as they're hooked. But, um, yeah, that's that's what we did for like quite a, well, probably a couple of years, a lot. As soon as the weather was good, we'd just, yeah, try and get to these remote ledges and, um, yeah, catch a big blue groper. And we got quite a few good ones, which was, which is, um, good in the end because it's a lot of effort to sort of get to these spots. And it's very satisfying to land like a good solid fish off the rocks. Yeah. Are you like, are you like, do you see the fish? Are you casting the ones that you're looking at? Or are you just kind of guessing that they're down there? Yeah. So most of the times we're just guessing, like we find these good looking ledges yeah. where we think we can land them and we know like there's good deep water in front of us. So that's, um, that's where the burley sort of helps to sort of bring the fish into the area you're fishing. So, um, that helps. But yeah, most of the time you can't really see them. There are spots along the um, coast where they come in shallow and you can, like, sight cast them. But, um, yeah, most of the time we were just casting big baits into deep water and then, um, yeah, just waiting for the – because they bite pretty hard. They sort of sort of, they sort of suck at it so you can feel like a big steady pull and then you, you set the hook and it's just all hell break loose, loose yeah. after that. So it's, yeah, a lot yeah, of those, good fun. A lot of those rock-dwelling fish are like that. Like, they have those – it's like close quarter combat. All they're trying to do is yeah. dig to get back into the hole. You can't afford to like play them. You just, it's, it is like pure yeah. strength versus strength types fighting. So I was watching a few of your videos where, you know, these things just look like they're giving you everything you, you can handle, but it's this unique looking yeah. fish too. Like that deep blue colors. It's really cool looking fish. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. Y'all catch so many different things. I mean, we could even touch on, I've seen a couple of photos where you're like holding tuna land base, yeah. but like between tuna and GTs and these queen fish and like, uh, like coral trout was giant yeah. mackerel, such diversity. Like for you though, again, this is like opinion based, but like, what like, is there a species that's considered like the Holy grail? Like, like the number one, like what, like what is the one for you? That's like, Oh, like this is the ultimate land based fish. That that you have, yeah. I don't know, near near you. Like what what's the one for you that maybe people wouldn't think of? Yeah. Yeah. So um that would probably be we get um a species of fish called the Mulloway. And um Mulloway. that's yeah, that's when I was living down south. Cause um you get them on the surf beaches. So they're the absolute yeah, holy grail of beach fishing down south is a 
is a big mullet and they do get really, really big. But um, it took me many years to get my like dream fit, like dream mullet way of like fifty pounds plus. Took me um, I think it took me nine years to get it. I caught like quite, a, I caught quite a few like smaller ones, and I was lucky enough that I was fishing with a like couple mates every now and then. They would catch one. Like I was fortunate enough to be involved in a couple catches of big mulloway, but I didn't. I haven't caught one myself, so I was like, oh, I just can't wait for it to finally happen. But, yeah, <laughs> Mulloway, yeah, definitely the pinnacle of beach fishing like down south is a big 50-pound Mulloway, and they're an awesome fish. Like they're just – I'm not sure what they would look like um, compared to anything over your way, but, yeah, they're just a big, long silver fish, big, big mouth on them, awesome colours. Like they're just pure chrome and silver. Like if you get them in good sunlight – yeah, they're just an unreal, unreal looking fish, and they fight pretty good as well. They hit baits hard, like just surf casting on surf casting tackle. So, yeah, no, I right. now I've seen the photos of that uh, fish, Mulloway. Although I think that that's got to be the first time I've heard that name. I've seen yeah. fish that look like that or variations of that around the world. Um, gosh, there's something like that in California that people, it's again, it's a very coveted fish there. Maybe they call them whitefish. I don't remember. And then like over on the East coast of the United States, it looks like, again, it just looks like some of our fish blown up giant. That's what a lot of like, yeah. y'all have, your GT is a giant Jack Creval. Your queen fish is a yeah. giant leather Jack. Your Spanish mackerel is, you know, <laughs> not our Spanish mackerel. But uh, yeah. that Molaway, it I it, like it looks like what we would call like a, like people call a whiting, or or yeah, like yeah. maybe maybe our sea trout, very similar to our yeah. sea trout, I think, but just gigantic. I mean, what's like yeah. what's so special about it? It's like a rare fish. I mean, it's it it's uh, a unique looking fish. But yeah. is it like hard to come by? Is it just like one of those fish you only catch once in a blue moon? Yeah, certain spots down south they are quite hard to come by. They're um they're a fish that oh it's hard to really describe. They're just they're just such a a special fish in the heart of many beach fishermen. Like you have to travel a fair way to get to the good um the good surf beaches. So it's always like people can travel like halfway across the country to go fish these certain beaches just to chase them. And um yeah, I think they're just a awesome target fish, and they they tend, especially the big ones. Like the little ones are quite easy to catch. Like you can catch them like any time, wherever, like pretty often. Like, but the big ones, like you have to sort of get the conditions right. They tend to only bite on certain periods, like that sort of thing. Like they can just come in when it wherever, but to catch them consistently, you really got to work them out. Like with the moon phases, the tides, like the swell coming in as well. Like it's just a lot of factors that go into catching that big one, and it like you can get lucky and catch one your first time or something like that. But like it took me, it took me nine years of um hard fishing to get that big fish. And I'd go on weekend trips, like I'll just I'd finish work at like six six or something, like in the afternoon, then drive like seven hours straight to these surf beaches. Like sleep yeah. a couple of hours at the surf beach. Like first, as soon as the sun comes up on Saturday, I'm like finding a good gutter, and then you just fish flat out. 
like all day, all night, and then you drive back back seven hours home on the Sunday afternoon to go back to work on Monday. And there was times where I didn't even catch one mile away or one fish. So Ugh. then I was yeah doing that flat out for nine years. So it's just yeah sometimes there's it's just once <laughs> you catch one, it's just the best thing ever. Like oh, yeah. it's just an unreal unreal like feeling to target that fish and it's just a special fish for like southern anglers yeah no that's awesome uh, i mean i could sit and talk about the fish all day long uh, it, it, i had it on here to talk about some of the freshwater stuff too but i almost want to like jump over that because like i know for i always feel like when i'm in the host seat i gotta like ask the questions on behalf of what people listening might wonder and a yeah, lot yeah. of American anglers, when they think Australia, you think about the wildlife. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what we watch. Yeah. We watch the nature shows. We watch like yeah. Animal Planet. Like, you know, everybody, when they think Australia, they think kangaroos, crocodiles, uh, those cassowary birds that kick your damn guts yeah. out. Like, <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah. You know, I'd be like remiss if I didn't ask about like wildlife encounters in some of the areas that you're at. But it's like, is that like a real danger? Like, what we have it in our minds that like this stuff's everywhere. It's like, you just don't yeah. even go near the water because there's crocodiles all over the place. There's, there's, uh, you know, all the crazy venomous snakes and everything that can bite and sting you can kill you. Have you yeah. personally had any kind of unique wildlife encounters? Um, any sketchy ones, any unique ones? Um, worthy of note, yeah, anyway. Trying to think. Yeah, trying to think because I do like I am like right into my I love like reptiles and catching lizards and all that sort of stuff, which yeah. is, <laughs> makes makes living up here really good because you're like you're always looking for snakes and lizards and stuff like that. But, um, no, I'm never really I can't really think of anything off the top of my head like any sketchy encounters, but um, but living up here now, we've got um. They're an introduced species, of the Asianic water buffalo. They're um, they're like cool. a huge, yeah, they're a huge buffalo. That's just since they got introduced up the top end here, like they've just run rampant, like they're everywhere, and they're um quite dangerous. And because this is a small town, it's just surrounded by um like scrub and wilderness. Like they can come out of nowhere. So if you like, if you're walking along a a mangrove bank or something, you could have a buffalo come out at any time or charge you or something like that. So you get um yeah, and get big wild pigs up here as well. But um I haven't really had any sketchy encounters myself, but you gotta always yeah, sort of be careful walking around and that sort of stuff. And I've seen um seen a few crocodiles since moving up north here, but um I haven't really got close enough to like haven't seen one very close before. I was fishing off the beach once on this um sandbar and I was looked behind me and probably about sixty meters away. I thought it was a rock, but then I seen its tail come up and I seen like its big like tail scoots and I was like, Yeah, it's definitely a crocodile. But once they sort of um see you they take off pretty quick. But I haven't had any close calls yeah. with one yet or nothing. But it just it sort of adds to the spice of life living up here like Mm-hmm. You just got to be careful and just respect the animals because yeah, they can be very dangerous at times. But yeah, it's it's not like um like it's not like you go anywhere and you're gonna just get killed by an animal. It's pretty right. <laughs> once you yeah yeah it's a pretty safe spot if you just yeah take basic precautions and yeah respect the animals. But, yeah, that's always yeah. like the naive thing. I you know 
we get it a little bit like here in Florida with alligators. Like, oh, there's alligators. And it's, you know, it's like seeing a turtle. It's like seeing a bird. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, no, we have crocodiles here too, but not saltwater crocodiles, but they're like even more reclusive, more like they don't want yeah. anything to do with you. But, uh, you know, yeah. like I said, we all, all of us outdoorsy guys in America grew up sitting around the TV on Saturday mornings with a bowl of cereal watching, you know, people out catching crocodiles and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so you just get this, yeah. uh, you know, it gets sensationalized. You got crocodile Dundee and all this stuff. You think these animals, <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's what, yeah. when you, when you picture a person from Australia, that's what we think it is. I don't even want to know what yeah. people picture when they think of a, a stereotypical American. It's probably not so flattering, but um, <laughs> yeah, man, uh, that's always interesting. Those birds are actually the scary ones to me. I was like, watch this video the other day of, of a cassowary coming out of the surf. Just like yeah. appearing from the ocean. I'm like, they swim around like that. They just like, <laughs> come, it just like comes out of the water, walks up onto the beach and like walks past these people. But like, yeah, that yeah. is a freaky. They look like dinosaurs. I guess where are those? Those yeah, are probably more in like, where is that at? Like Queensland area? Yeah. I don't so even know where it is. Yeah. Cassidy's are more Queensland. So yeah. on the East Coast, we're like right in the middle up north. But um, we got, we get emus down south. Like um, oh, they, yeah, they, yeah. they're like the same size of a cassowary. They're just not colourful and don't have that big crest. But yeah, they're still a still a big bird. But um, yeah, that they'd get pretty protective of their babies. I reckon if you sort of startled one and they'll, yeah, they'd probably chase you or something like that. But <laughs> uh, uh, they a still nightmare. Got, yeah, yeah, we wouldn't want to get chased by one. It'd be quite intimidating. I reckon getting chased around by a big bird. Yeah, I don't want to get chased by a bird that can look me eye to eye. I'd rather be near a <laughs> crocodile than a giant yeah, man sized yeah. bird. Like, that gives me tr- yeah, I, yeah. I have problems with that. Birds are smart too. I know there's yeah, talking definitely. birds. There's birds that can do math. Like birds aren't idiots, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know, man. Australia is just like uh that's like it's just one of those places I want to go before I die. Oh, and I saw one video where you walk up on like a sleeping seal. Or presumably, oh, like it looked like yeah, it's yeah. dead. Maybe y'all thought it was yeah. dead and poked. Yeah. But it's not just any seal. It's like one of those predatory yeah. seals of that, death. Is that a common yeah. thing too? I, I thought I thought leopard seals was like an Arctic thing. I'm like, I didn't yeah. even know those lived there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was actually um, one of my mates who did that. He. He just gave me the video and I put it up on YouTube. I think his video went like super viral on TikTok. It had like millions and millions of views, but yeah. it's definitely definitely not a common thing. Like I'm not sure what that seal was doing there. Like I had no, no idea okay. why. It'd be yeah, because they are like Antarctic, like down that way. And I've heard of another one sort of um being seen at a beach, like sort of um far north South Australia on the west coast. And I've heard of one being up there, like sort of near where I go Mulloway fishing, actually. But I have no idea. They must just be very lost or <laughs> have something wrong with them or something. Uh, it's very rare to see them over here, that's for sure. That's interesting. I didn't know if that was a common occurrence because those are like the creepy, scary looking ones. I don't know if it's a real yeah. danger, but uh, you know, I know that they're more so like they're all predators, but they just, I don't know, they yeah. just, it's a scarier looking animal. But um, yeah. yeah, man. 
Well, Jack, we I know we've mentioned like your your Instagram, we've mentioned your YouTube channel a couple of times. Like people who want to go see some of these videos and photos of all the different kinds of fishing, sharks, GTs from the rocks, the pelagics, the wildlife. Where can they go to see your stuff? Uh Instagram, yeah. YouTube, anywhere else. Yeah, so um I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, so it's just Aussie Fisher. I've spelled it a bit funny ways. It's A U Double Z I E. Um, F-I-S-H-A. So that's that's the same as my YouTube and I've also got Facebook as well on that, but I don't really post much on there. But, yeah, if they want to see all my videos, I've got a few videos of living up north on my YouTube channel. I, I want to do a bit more. I want to, like, get better camera gear. and I've, I've got a better drone now, so I want to, like, really mm. sort of um yeah, up the quality of my videos and that sort of stuff and keep posting more regularly but yeah i've got like all the um like pelagic fishing off the rocks on the youtube channel i've got like all my shark fishing stuff um and the blue groper as well if they're interested to see that but but yeah it's mainly just instagram and youtube where i'm most active on and posting all the um catches i get but yeah definitely want to keep uploading i've been a pretty slack on the youtube recently but i want to get back into it and sort of get posts more often on there so yeah the youtube's a hard commitment that's uh, a time-consuming thing when all you want to do is really just enjoy the fishing and not worry about fumbling yeah. around with the camera but um i've watched yeah. your stuff it's freaking badass aussie fisher i don't know throw that up on this i'll throw that up on the screen in one area on the video version of this i'll put it in the description but uh i know yeah. a lot of the guys that i like this in the circles i run in and uh in angling groups they're all into that kind of stuff so they're going to eat this stuff up but uh i have just started like my international traveling journey as a fisherman stepping yeah. outside my comfort zone and going to places but dude when i go to australia and do that you're gonna be like the first guy i call for tips yeah. and pointers or maybe we can link up one of these days because that is just like geez that style of fishing is like a must do, especially for guys that like boots on the ground, yeah. relatively budget friendly, or like relatable stuff where you're actually you're working. You're not aboard some five hundred thousand dollar boat being chauffeured around by some agency. Like it's just yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Like the the grunge element, like the workhorse element of it seems so badass. So I knew like when I saw your stuff, I'm like, finally, like I got one. I got one of the guys that does this stuff that I can that I can talk to. So, um, Jack, yeah. man, I appreciate your time and, uh, yeah, dude, let's stay in touch. I got to put together some kind of plan in the next five years. I'll, I'll give you some time to really dial it in <laughs> up there. I know you're kind of yeah, new yeah. to you, but, uh, but for sure, Definitely. let's, let's stay in touch and, uh, man, I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me, David. Definitely love to have you over here. If you, if you have over, let us know. And, um, yeah, appreciate you having me on the, on the show and yeah. Glad to talk with you and we'll keep in touch 100%. All right, for sure, man. Have a good one. All right, you too, mate. Thank you for listening to Boundless Pursuit. Tune in each week as we bring stories and insight from uniquely talented anglers and outdoorsmen. And if you enjoyed this show, I want to hear from you. Be sure to leave a five-star review as this is going to drive the growth and exposure of this show. And if you have feedback or guest suggestions, I would love to hear from you. And you can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com. For all other collections of media and contact information, 
please visit www.boundless-pursuit.com.